What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Sports Brothers, coming to you from 757 in Virginia Beach, Virginia. I'm Paul Fisher, and I'm here, as always, with A.J. Williams, and we're here to talk sports with you. This week, we have another guest. Last week, we had Phil Friedman. This week, we have Lou Elmo, a friend of ours, former co-worker of mine from a long time back, and uh, he's coming to us from Connecticut, Milford, Connecticut, unless he's moved, which I don't think so. So uh, welcome to the show, Lou. Yeah, thanks a lot, guys. Thanks for having me on. Ah, no problem, man. Uh, Lou has also been a big part of our fantasy league that we've had going for 20 plus years. He's a, a multi, multi-champion, enough rings for one hand, at least maybe two. We're still trying to figure that out. We'll look up the, uh, look up the details of the history, but always been a big part of that. So we plan on having him on here a lot during football season also, whether it's football related or fantasy football related. So hopefully those days are coming soon. But for now... We were going to start this week, Lou and AJ, talking about ESPN came out with their list of the top 10. Well, they did the top 74 NBA players of all time, but they just recently released the top 10. So I'm going to read the top 10 out. I think you've both already seen the list, but let's just kind of get it out there and then just get everybody's take on maybe somebody who should have been in there who was snubbed or somebody who's too high should be lower or the opposite or whatever. Any any kind of conversation about it. So number 10 on the list was Shaq, according to ESPN. Number nine was Kobe. Number eight, Duncan. Seven was Larry Bird. Six was Wilt. Number five was Magic. Number four was Bill Russell. Three, Kareem. Two, LeBron. And one, of course, Michael Jordan. So let's go ahead to AJ. What do you think of that list? Yeah, Lou, thanks for uh, joining us. He's the uh, Tom Brady of fantasy football over here in our league. So yes, he is. Cool to have him. Um, so yeah, going on with the list, um, I agree with a lot of it. Um, I'm a big Kobe person, so I think that he's a little low on that. I know a lot of people would probably disagree with me, but I would have Kobe in the top five. I'll probably have him around five, but I know obviously people are going to look at it as Michael Jordan, LeBron James, one, two, however you want to put it. So we're going to go ahead and, and skip that one and two right there. But then you, I mean, you have Kareem and you have Bill Russell and then Magic Johnson, and you really can't go wrong with them. I mean, Bill Russell with his 13 championships, Kareem with how powerful he was down low, and I mean, especially in college, he was unreal. And then Magic has got to be the best point guard in basketball ever. So it's really hard to um, argue with that. But again, I would have to say, and I'm going to go ahead and shoot out my top five on what I had. Is I had you know MJ at number one, LeBron number two, I had Magic at number three, I had Kobe at four, and I had Shaq at five. Um, so the way I looked at it was, you know, Shaq. I believe he is the most powerful big man ever. Um, I don't think anybody could stop him in his prime. So I again, all five I had on there were on the top ten. So I have no issue with the with the uh, top ten at all. So what do you think, Lou? Uh, yeah, first of all, guys, I really appreciate your podcast. Uh, working in healthcare, driving home, welcome relief. You guys are doing a phenomenal job. Thanks, man. Thanks. Um, Jordan won, LeBron two, like you said, kind of a wash. I mean, that's automatic. I think that it's uh, those two at the top, and then everybody else second. Um, for me, I like I like Jabbar number three. The guy was dominant. He had most points in NFL and NBA history. Yeah, with eleven time or twelve time defensive team. I think he had like six NBA titles, six MVPs. And the important thing, I think his MVPs were like spread out. Like he didn't just do it all in chunks. It was like over many course of a year, of years. Same uh, with his championships. Championships, unbelievable. And then number four, I actually, I put Will Chamberlain there. I think he gets a bad rap. I mean, the guy averaged like insane numbers. And I think the reason why he gets a, a lower standing is because I remember when he played, same with Russell, there was only like eight or ten teams in the NBA. Right. So some people say, oh, the, the competition wasn't as good. But in reality, I think competition might be better because it was harder for those good players to be on the team. Um, right. They weren't as spread out. Exactly. Spread out. And I think that's, I think it's a knock. Like a lot of the young guys now probably didn't see Will Chamberlain play or didn't see Bill Russell play. But those guys dominated. I mean, he averaged like 50 points and 20 rebounds in a season. That's unreal. That's disgusting. 20 rebounds a game over 20 <laughs> for his career. I mean, that's yeah. Um, yeah, I agree. Yeah. And then I had Bill Russell. I mean, he had 11 championships. Same thing. I mean, that guy was just a winner. 13, 11, 13 championships? I think it was 13. 
13. And then after that, I mean, I, it's a hard call. I mean, there's a lot of Lakers on the list. And and, and, and much as I, in AJ, get around about Kobe, I mean, Kobe and Magic, I think, can go interchange at the next spot. So that would kind of be my list of five, six players. Okay. My, uh, the way I had it, I mean, it's hard to argue against any of these 10 players. I don't think they left somebody out who just flat out had to be in there. And I don't see some sort of eyesore in the top 10 where you're like, How, that guy doesn't belong. I mean, these 10 are all-time greats, obviously. Uh, and then it's just all about the order. I'm not as high, I think, on LeBron as other people. I like LeBron, but I don't think he's guaranteed above some of those people right below him. And I have a hard time comparing the eras like you're talking about, Lou. I mean, it, it's almost impossible to do. So I think I end up hedging my bets more towards the people I've seen, which is unfair, but it's just the way my brain works. So my top five would probably be uh, Jordan. I think I'd move Kareem to number two and then LeBron, uh, Magic and Bird, just because I've seen them all play and they just they were all amazing players in their own right. Uh, Bird and Magic were just both amazing for those franchises in the 80s. And I mean, all I can see is stats for people like Wilt and people like Russell. And obviously, they belong there just as much as the other guys. And I could probably trust this ESPN list more than I could trust my own. But when I think of those players, I just kind of hedge my bet towards those. I do put Kobe below those guys for me. I saw both play, but I just, that also might be some favoritism there, too. I just, I liked Magic better, I liked his game better. Um, and I certainly liked Bird better because he's pretty much my favorite player of all time. Um, so, I mean, I think they did a pretty good job on the list. Sometimes they put out these lists in the NFL, you know, they'll put up top quarterbacks ever or like that Colin Coward list that we talked about where he put the top 10 players in the NFL today. And he has somebody on there who were like, what the hell? There is no way this dude even belongs. I think he had George 10. Kittle at four. He did, but he also had a dude in the top 10 who didn't even belong. Was it uh, like a... Mike yeah, Mike Evans. Evans. It's like, come on, dude. I, he's good, but is he a top 10 player in the NFL right now? No. Hell no. So, I mean, at least this list, there is not one of those on that list where you're like, no, no way. That dude does not belong. So I think they did a fairly good job. And you'll never be able to compare eras. Everything changes. The 90s are as different from what we play now in the NBA as the 80s were to what was played in the 60s. You know, it's just, it's, it's hard to compare. Um, well, I, hey, yeah, Paul. go ahead. I will, I will say, um, again, Lou, you were actually correct. He does have 11. Um, I was hoping it was 13, obviously, because I'm a Celtics fan. I want a little cushion from the Lakers. Um, but Was it eight again, in a row, AJ? What was that? Wasn't it eight in a row? Yeah. Ridiculous. Well, the question there is if, if, if Jordan doesn't leave the league there for a couple of years, do they have eight in a row? You know what I mean? In a time with – I mean – with some pretty good teams there. If the, I think a lot of people believe the Bulls could have definitely won eight in a row. I think those... so. I, I would have to disagree, though. Um, I think that, you know, from what I'm seeing, again, with the documentaries, you saw Jordan slowing down just a little bit, you know, mm -hmm. just a little bit. He was getting tired. But those, that Olajuwon team and everything with the Rockets, that's tough, man. They were tough. It, they are. I just, I just don't see how watching anything with Jordan, how you could bet against him yep. when he played a full season and yeah. was prepared. I just, I, it's unreal. I and I think about how you know when they talk about in the documentary how um that wonderful season that they had when he first came back. You know, not the playoffs that he came back for, but the first full season later when they played the Sonics in the finals, um, and how they broke the record for you know best team ever until Golden State came along later. And I haven't seen a lot of conversations about it, but what do you guys think? You know. You, I know it's hard to put two teams on the floor from different eras, but they're not that removed. It's still a pretty athletic NBA. It's not like looking back at times like in the 50s or 60s. If you put those 90s Bulls that year, the 72 and 10 Bulls, against Golden State, who wins? Go ahead, Lou. I, I mean, uh, obviously I was lucky enough, and you were Paul. We were old enough to like watch both of those, obviously. Um I still think the Bulls win. I mean, I do too. It's a different era, but I mean, they shoot a lot of threes now. I mean, if Curry's off a little bit, I mean, the Bulls are going to dominate. They're going to be playing. Rodman's going to be down low, just getting those rebounds. Yeah. Pippen's a defensive team. I think it would be interesting because you have all offense against pretty much an all defensive team. Mm -hmm. It would be a unique matchup, but I think the Bulls come out on top. I do too. What do you think, AJ? Yeah, I would say it would be, I would honestly think it would go seven. Um, just because those are very tight teams, especially the team when you had Durant on there. True. Um, that's Durant, and then got to be the two best uh, 
players in the backcourt ever with Steph and Thompson. I mean, those are those two are ridiculous. But again, when you look at it, and I've talked to you both of you guys about this, is the reason why I have Jordan over LeBron. And Paul, by the way, you're an idiot for having LeBron any lower than two. I don't know, but go on. <laughs> but uh, is because Jordan is more competitive. He wants it more than anybody else on that floor. He's going to want it more than anybody else on that Warriors team, and he's going to get it. I mean, he's so competitive that that's what's going to lift them with how close in in talent both those teams are. Yeah, and you have to think about, you know, when people try and put teams hypothetically against each other from different eras, well, you kind of have to choose an era to let them play in. So if you – I feel like putting the Golden State team in the 90s – basketball against the bulls they lose for sure Mm -hmm. whereas i think if you put the bulls up in the golden state era i think they hang with them a lot better it's just a little bit more sissy basketball you know you're not really every little every little touch is called a foul i mean jordan and all them were used to getting manhandled and still putting up 40 or 50 points so i don't know i i think in today's nba jordan would just blow by those people because i mean if they touch him at all they're gonna get a foul so well you know Durant doesn't play big. I mean, big guys don't play big anymore. No. You know, yeah. the Rockets, everybody's six six and under, and they're winning. They're winning games. So, I don't know. If yeah, it's a different. It's a different game. Yeah, it's a different game. Now, Durant, you're right though, AJ. I agree that if the only team you're going to take of those Golden State teams that could that could hang with those Bulls is including Durant. If it's oh, without Durant, yeah. there is no way they can do it. Um, because then they're just a shooting team, and they're not as dynamic. Um, but it is an interesting conversation. It is. So. So let's go on to our next segment here. We had, uh, I think AJ's going to lead this one. We got something having to do with a would you rather sports COVID type situation, just, you know, leading to a lot of sports conversation that you normally wouldn't have because you'd normally have games to watch. <laughs> yeah. So what, I, what we were thinking about, you know, we were brainstorming a little this week and we, we love the would you rather topics and we're going to put a little sports uh, aspect into it and we're going to, we're going to ask this question is would you rather, okay, and this is to Lou and Paul, would you rather watch one sport for the rest of your life, okay, you can watch the regular season and playoffs, but you cannot watch any other sport, okay? So if you choose baseball, you cannot watch football, you can't watch college football, you can't watch college baseball, it's just the MLB, okay? Um, Or would you rather just watch the playoffs of your favorite teams okay so you won't be able to watch any of the regular season okay but you can say okay i just want to watch the playoffs so the whole summer you can't watch any baseball but when october september october comes you'll be able to watch that's a long time so what, what do you think uh go ahead and paul what do you think okay so to clarify so you're saying you can watch any sport you want playoffs though every single one of them Okay, well then I definitely do that. I, uh, I mean, I clearly I, I like a lot of different sports for sure, and there's a hierarchy for them, but I can't pick one and just say I'd be happy watching just that one. If it was, then I would definitely pick the NFL, and that's the way it is, just because that's the one that's my favorite overall. But I, yeah, as much as I love the NFL regular season, which I think is much better than the NFL postseason, I think they have the best regular season of all. And it even dwarfs their postseason, in my opinion, Um, whereas other sports are the other way around, I think. Um, I would rather see the playoffs of everything. I could deal with not having the NFL regular season because I could be watching the baseball postseason at that time. And then when it rolls around into the spring, I'm set because I got March Madness, the tournament. I've got. Um, I've got the NHL and NBA playoffs, which is really, for me, that's the season anyway. I watch a random game here or there, but mostly I want to see the playoffs. And, of course, I could then watch the NFL playoffs too. So, for me, it's easy. I think I would watch the playoffs of all of them. What about you, Lou? Uh, I think it's a no-brainer. I mean, NBA, I don't watch the whole games anyway. I wait for the playoffs. That's when they actually play. <laughs> yeah. You guys know me a hockey. I mean, once the Whalers left, I was done. So, I'll get into <laughs> to the hockey playoffs. Uh, take all fantasy football, which of course you take that out of it, that would be awesome. But I would much rather watch the Super Bowl than anything else. And baseball, I haven't watched a full game probably since I was eight. So honestly, easy for me to pick the playoffs. Okay, so back to AJ, which I think he, I think he might disagree here. I'm gonna have to disagree, and you know, it's a, it's a little bit because of 
you know, I again, I love the I love the playoffs. I love watching just a regular, you know, I love watching a Canucks and Flames game, you know, at ten o'clock for you yeah. know, the Western Conference Finals or something. You know, I love that stuff. But again, I'm very much into when my teams are good. You know, I I would love to see them in there. You know, and. I know for a fact I absolutely love watching baseball. I know a lot of people would disagree and say, oh, man, that shit's boring. Okay. Um, but I will just sit there some nights, come 7 o'clock, turn on the package, turn on a Red Sox game, and I watch the whole game. I watch the whole game, and it just puts peace to my mind. And I just love – I mean, it's that's, that's the kind of game it is, though. It's not where, you know, with the Vikings – you have Kurt Cousins over here getting shitted on in the pocket. Yeah. But the Red Sox, yes, they'll frustrate me, but it's just a peace of mind that I have where I can just come home, relax, watch a you know, pretty calm baseball game usually, unless they're playing the Yankees. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I, again, I would probably pick, I would probably pick baseball. Um, well, for, I, well, if you're going to pick one sport, I think baseball is a nice one to pick because the season is, you know, eternities long. So there is that. And then, what was funny when you said that, though, to me, I'm thinking as a slightly – well, not slightly, as a way older person than you. I'm just sitting here thinking it's funny in the 2000s that you could say that watching Red Sox games day in, day out for a whole season could be calming. <laughs> because <laughs> yeah. I'm thinking like people who are older than you, like watching – like if they had the package you know, or, or they just happen to live in the New England area and they're watching Red Sox games throughout the 70s and 80s and 90s. You know, like especially 70s and 80s. Oh, my God. It's not calming. <laughs> well, and that's the thing. It, it isn't 100% calming all the time. But, you know, most of the time just being able to see innings one through six until we get into the bullpen is pretty much calming. So No, and I, I do agree with you, though, because back, yeah. we haven't had the package in a long time at my house because we, we always get the football one. And it's just it adds up when you try and get all of them. But uh, we did have baseball and there's a routine to it with the fact that they play almost every day. And it's like it's part of your family at some point. It sounds kind of cheesy, but it is. You, you get used to all the same commercials that are on. You get used to all the all the players. You know them so much better when you watch them game after game, day after day throughout the summer. And it's nice to know that at any moment you can turn on a game. Whereas, you know, with other sports, you're waiting a week at a time to see one. Well, again, when you look at it, you know, when you look at my favorite teams, the Red Sox are the only team that has done well for me. Um, because when you look at the Celtics, yes, they've won and they, they're usually good. You know, they won back in the late 2000s. Um, but then you have the Vikings. They always will break my heart. Yeah. Always. I mean, it, most most of the times it's a fucking kicker. But, yeah. you know, then you have the Sabres who are just terrible. And then you have, you know, Virginia Tech football who you just can't compete with those Clemsons, Alabama. So the Red Sox are going to be good. And I'm okay with just sitting there and enjoying a game and then watching them kick the Yankees' ass in the playoffs. Yeah, and then, and then I have to, like uh... – text you or call you in something in this situation and let you know how that Viking Super Bowl went that you missed. <laughs> <laughs> or Mark Madden. Yeah, exactly. See, I Man. just can't imagine choosing it that way, even though I love the NFL regular season. I mean, oh my God, it's it's a feeling. It's it's so much more than a sport in the regular season compared to others. But yeah. that's an interesting question. I'm glad you brought that one up. Um, okay, so we got we to gotta break into the uh, Paul's Pet Peeves section here. So uh, we've been only been doing this for a couple weeks here, Lou. I think twice we've done it, uh, maybe even once. And um, so basically it's just a time when you can get something off your chest about sports, something that kind of bugs you having to do with sports. And um, it can be something big, something little, something longstanding, something somebody just said this week, something you saw on the last dance that bugged you. could be anything. So mine this week is uh, I have a long list of them, but I, I went ahead and narrowed it down to one. And it's since we were talking about the NBA – um, mine is the whole idea of a big three and how it's affected the league and how the sport is just so different now. You really don't get the rivalries that you had in the 80s and even the 90s. And, you know, everybody's always looking to team up super teams. And so there's I don't feel like there's a lot of loyalty there. And it's hard to get a feel for franchises then. You know, we have a situation where, you know, Kevin Durant can go seven games against another team in a hard-fought, grueling, nasty series that could have gone either way. And then the next season, he's on the other team. 
you know, I just I, I have a problem with it and not just specifically with him. That's just an example. I mean, the fact that he was in game seven against them and still went to them. But it's just the idea that back in the eighties, my favorite time of basketball, the Celtics had an identity. You know, you had those guys, you had bird, McHale, Parrish, age, Dennis Johnson, and people stayed and they had an, they had an identity. You didn't just see a green uniform. You saw faces that were there for years and years and years. And they, they chose to stay and they built legacies. You know, Jordan built a legacy from crap in Chicago. He stayed and he built something and it became one of the most wonderful things ever, as evidenced by having a 10 part documentary about it. But now we just don't have that. People just team up. LeBron did it going to Miami, taking his talents, blah, blah, blah. It just I think it's changed the whole sport. And I I'm not a fan of it at all. What about you? Um, I mean, I think I talked to you guys this before, but I think it's for me is when uh, they, they talk about the word courageous in sports. I feel like especially in this whole time of covid and. You know, where I work in healthcare and some of my friends and going in a COVID room is well, that's courageous. You know, I think I was listening to something yesterday up here in the north here and uh, talk about these, these baseball players. When they go back, it would be so it would be so courageous. They can go back and, and play <laughs> with, this, with this COVID. I'm like, courageous. I mean, it's just, it's just something I, I've always felt is just not the right word. Maybe commendable. Maybe, you know, for 17 million. OK, you know, good job. Courageous <laughs> really should be used for soldiers, for people that are fighting, for people that are, you know, like healthcare. I, I, I get a little bit of a pet peeve when people use the word courageous when it is in sports. I didn't see the new documentary. I'm sure they're going to talk about tonight about, you know, the flu and Michael Jordan. I mean, I know that's courageous. I mean, it's something that, you know, I mean, it's commendable. It's, it's a, a great performance. But, you know, courageous, I don't know. So that's my. Yeah, it's, yeah, I agree. It's a totally different feeling. And it's, it's kind of like a lot of people have problems with athletes making analogies in sports to wartime. You know, people take a really bad – they get a really bad feeling on that one when they talk about out on the battlefield and all this and that and the other. When I, I don't think they mean to use it in a negative way or to make light of it, but it just doesn't always sound great. And I think what you're saying, especially during this kind of time, I mean you've got people out there going into patients' rooms. Half the time they don't even have the, the right PPE. You know, they, they don't know if they're fully protected and they're going home to their families. And, yeah, that, that's courageous, definitely. So I get what you're saying. What about you, AJ? Um, yeah, I'm going to have to go with something that's a little more close to my heart, I guess. It's not really close to my heart because I hate this team. <laughs> but it, it would be probably the Go Pack Go oh. that the Packers have in their stadium. And I know it's – you know, they've been doing that for ages, and I know teams probably hate the Skull Chant. I get it. But being a Vikings fan, when I hear that – when I'm watching a Vikings and Pack game and I hear that in the background at Lambeau, I literally want to punch the TV because it frustrates the hell out of me. I mean, just continuously, you know, every single drive, I feel like they're like, all right, play it. Play the song. Play Go Pack Go. I'm like, oh, God, this is terrible. What's funny is I'm not a you know Vikings or Packers fan, but I get what you're saying, and it's not even the Go Pack Go part. For me, it's the music because it sounds so old and outdated and cheesy, that little music that leads up to them saying it. Yeah, it just sounds, it just sounds oh, so stupid. So um, I don't hate it, but I totally get where you're coming from because pretty much I think everybody has something like that. My equivalent would be anytime the Chicago Blackhawks score a goal and that stupid song comes on, I just want to I want to freak out. And usually it's because I mean, of course, they're playing it when they just scored. So it's even worse. You're already pissed because I'm never happy when the Blackhawks score a goal and then they score the goal. And I got to hear the song and it oh, it just drives me friggin nuts. Do you so, guys remember remember the uh, show? The league? However, yeah. Oh, that every every time that song, the Blackhawks score, that's what it makes me think of. Well, at least it makes you think of something good then. For me, yeah. it's just disgusting. Right. Although I'm a little better about it now with the Blues, you know, Stanley Cup win. It makes it a little a little better. But uh, being a long-suffering, it's more like you because the Vikings have never won. The Packers are the winners, even though I will never compare the Blackhawks to the uh, Packers. The Packers are real, like, long-term winners. Blackhawks are more of a trendy recent thing. But uh, but I get where you're coming from totally. Yeah, I so, have one more, one more thing, though. Hey, oh, Lou, why, Lou, why we have you? Um what do you think about the Seahawks coming up this season? By the way, everybody, by the way, everybody, Lou is a diehard Seattle Seahawks, Seahawks fan. 
One of like one of like maybe yeah. six up in Connecticut. Yeah, since it started, I just liked the colors when I was little, and I just watched on. I, honestly, nice. I mean, Russell Wilson's incredible. He, he's a he's a magician. So, you know, whenever you pay a quarterback a lot of money, I think it takes a couple of years to revamp your team. I think probably the Chiefs will probably figure that out in a couple of years. But I think they'll get their probably nine wins, ten wins, and then uh, make maybe a wild card in the playoffs or uh, somewhere along those lines. You never know because they're tough at home and. You know, Metcalf looks good, and, you know, they're trying to sure up that offensive line. I'm going to say, I'm going to say 10 and 6, 9 and, nine, nine and 7. Okay. Tough division. Okay. Tough oh, division God, sure. yes. <laughs> and it's only getting tougher with Arizona actually yeah, starting like, to play some football. Yeah, he looks yeah. good this year. Yeah, I wish them well. I just every time somebody talks about the NFL, about a team and how they look like they're going to be just deep down, all I'm hoping is that this. That it matters, like with, you know, that we watch football this year and we get to see the Seahawks play 16 games and then a playoff. You know, I just that's my main thought. But uh, but yeah, you've got a good team there and they're always in the running just because of Russell Wilson right there. You're in the running already. But we look forward to the football season with you, Lou, and thanks for coming on. And we'll definitely have you back on here. Listen, again thanks soon. a lot, guys. This is really great. You guys are doing a great job. I'll talk to you. Hey, thanks, Lou. Thanks a lot. It was a blast. All right. Well, that was fun. Uh, as I was just telling him, and of course, any listeners who are interested, Lou's a great guy. He's knowledgeable about a lot of different sports. He always brings some fun to it. He never takes things too seriously, and although he loves sports, but he, he always has an angle on things that gets you laughing, and, and he definitely knows his fantasy football, as evidenced by the fact that he has multiple championships in, in my league and, uh, and in the league that Andrew and I, Angie, AJ and I have been in forever and still can't get a win. So, yeah, uh, <laughs> I think, I think my favorite thing about Lou again, real quick is that, you know, he's not biased about anything that he believes in, like with his teams, you know, he's not going to, you know, favor the Seahawks favor. He's a Yankees fan, not favor the Yankees. So, you know, that's, it's, it's pretty fun and easy to talk to Lou, um, about sports. So. That's why we had him on, and he, he was a great guest. Well, yeah, going back to last week, Lou might be an example of one of those well-adjusted uh, diehard fans right. because he's the real fan, whether it's the Yankees, the Seahawks, uh, Boston College football, basketball, you know, whatever sport he's rooting for. Yes, I'm sure he gets angry. I'm, guess, I'm guessing that uh, Becky, his wife, if she was listening right now, would be like, wait, 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 I don't know if he's fully well-adjusted. But Compared to the stuff that you and I talk about, he always seems so level-headed and grounded, which is a nice thing to hear now and then. So, uh, right. so yeah, that was a blast. It'll be nice to have him back on. So let's shift gears into a totally different subject here. I did a lot of research this week looking into uh, women's sports, and I don't know what led to that. It wasn't like anything was really in the news, but I think that's kind of the point, too, is that if you kind of base wanting to talk about women's sports on whenever you hear about them, you'd never talk women's sports because you so rarely hear about them in the sports media or just in the news in general. So when I looked it up, I looked up a few articles um, and got some quotes that were pretty interesting and then also just some facts and things to talk about with you, AJ. Um, so a couple of the quotes – I have one from 2015 from a, a guy named Andy Benoit. I feel like I've heard him on our local radio station around here. Right. Um, and his quote in 2015, so fairly recently, was women's sports in general not worth watching. And that was a, that was a tweet that he sent out. Um, 2006, Bill Simmons of HBO Sports. So well-respected HBO, always good. His quote in 2006 was, well, the vast majority of WNBA players lack crossover sex appeal. The baggy uniforms don't help. Um, and that's 2006. So, yeah, a little while ago, but still it's past 2000 and it's just kind of wild to me. Um, and then I have a quote from a woman named Cheryl Cookie, who is uh, an associate professor of American studies, women's studies, gender studies, sexuality studies at Purdue University. Uh, shout out to uh, Phil's wife, Jamie, there. Phil, our last week's guest. We, we know a bunch of Purdue grads. Um, the interest for women's sports is there. It's just a problem of how leagues and teams are marketed. We don't see the same amount of coverage. We don't see the same investment in women's sports. So those are just a few quotes to kind of get the topic started. And then I had a couple facts, like the fact that 4% of sports coverage is women athletes, uh, yet 40% of athletes are women. Um, media coverage over the last 25 years shows that women's sports comprise about 2% of the media coverage having to do with sports. 
but the, the good news is that objectification of women is down during that time period of 25 years. So that, that's a stride that they've made, but the coverage really is not there. Um, and that sports, really, women's sports seem to be interesting to the U.S. public in general if you're playing for your country. You know, if you're watching the World Cup or you're watching the Olympics – uh, even team sports and certainly individual sports in the Olympics, then you captivate the American audience like no other. I mean, you have Simone Biles, you have uh, Ali Raisman, you have the U.S. Women's National Team for soccer, and they captivate the U.S. for a couple weeks here and there, and it's like they're huge stars for that little time. And then after that, though, until the next Olympics or until the next big international tournament, it's, they disappear from the national spotlight. It just means nothing that women even playing sports. Um, I think the shining examples in sports right now for women, I guess would be soccer because the U S national team is the best in the world. So that's obviously a good thing. Um, and the WNBA is probably the most well-known women's league in this country. Although it doesn't seem to your average fan like that is the case. Um, but individual sports like with tennis, uh, I had some facts here from, Women's tennis does very well, you know, individual sports. That seems to do a little bit better. How the 2019 U.S. Open Tennis Championship had the highest rating ever for women's championship. 2018, they actually pulled in more viewers by a million than the men's championship. Granted, there was a woman who was an American in the U.S. and the women's U.S. Open, whereas there was no American in the men's. Then that might actually be a factor, too, of course. Um, the other thing before I get to you, AJ, is the whole, you know, we've heard a lot about the, the equal pay mostly with the women's national team. And that's something where I have a fact here that when you make the U.S. men's team, you immediately get uh, $69,000. That's what you're getting as far as money for making the team, whereas for women it's $15,000, so quite a bit less. And obviously we know that the women perform better on the national stage. So, um, I mean, on the world stage. So just general thoughts first. What do you think about the whole why, – why are women's sports not more popular in this country? All right. So uh, it's tough um, because, again, I coach a woman's sport or a girl's sport yeah. uh, being high school soccer, middle school soccer. So, again, I have a uh, soft spot for that. But, again, I guess growing up and, and watching sports on TV, you know – a lot of those sports, WNBA, uh, women's hockey, stuff like that, that just doesn't um, excite me to watch. Maybe because growing up, you see, you know, the NBA, you know, they're going driving the lane, slamming it down, you know, all doing all that stuff. But then with hockey, you're having fights, you're having people just absolute ch check people in the middle of the ice. And it's just exciting and fun and you just kind of just don't see that and I think that's the issue with why women's sports um, aren't as big because again I think the the first person that dunked a ball was Candace Parker and I feel like that's a lot of what people especially go to games love to see when somebody throws it down the crowd goes nuts they love it um, but then again when you're talking like you said Paul about about national team sports and, you know, individual sports. You have the women's national team is the best in the world. And I, for one, absolutely love watching when they watching when they're on Olympics, World Cup. I mean, they're so fun to watch. Those athletes are top notch. I mean, it's it's great to watch. And again, with with women's uh, tennis players as well, you have the Williams sisters. You have one of my favorite to watch right now and it's crazy to say, is Coco Golf. I mean, she's so young, but so awesome. She's going against number ones in the world and beating them. It's, it's just great to watch. But I think the biggest thing is just the excitement factor. Um, and again, I know this is going to go into maybe your next question, is that, you know, these sports media uh, stations just do not market. They don't, they don't market women's sports correctly in my mind because again they're still playing a sport you know they're still having the top athletes in that sport play like yes the WNBA is not something 
I, for one, would just sit down and just say, oh, I want to watch a WNBA game. You know, but you got to take a step back and think, man, those are the best players in the world. UConn players, those UConn teams, Notre Dame teams, Stanford teams in college who basically won, I would say, 95% of their games. And, I mean, it's incredible athletes going out there and, and playing. And I think that we as a country need to do a better job of, of evening that out. But, again, I, for one, am somebody who hasn't looked at it as, I mean, equality um, for both men and women's sports. So maybe that's something that I need to do a better job of. But, again, you know, I'm just I'm, – I'm willing to watch an NBA game, an MLB game – an NFL game, an NHL game, rather than rather than women's sports. Um, but again, that's something that you know maybe here in the next year or so will hopefully um, rise up to the occasion and rise up in rankings is different sports and you know because I know they're trying to do that with the NHL All Star Game. They had the U.S. national team and the uh, Canadian national team come out. And that was great stuff. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, maybe maybe here in the, you know, the next year or so they can get that stuff out. But I think it just comes down to marketing. And that's what they, I think they need to do a better job of, especially for these athletes, because they deserve, they deserve the same treatment as a male athlete. You know, if it's not the same pay, but continuing to raise that pay for them because they are uh, fantastic athletes again. So... That's my take on it. Um, what do you think, Paul? Well, I think the marketing part is massive. And, uh, you know, I was telling you one time about how, you know, we have a local hockey team around here in the ECHL. The, they were the Hampton Roads Admirals back in the 90s, and then they became the Norfolk Admirals, went to the AHL, then back down to the ECHL. So the ECHL is fairly low-tier hockey, um, not right below the NHL, but a step below that even. But... A lot of it, I think it's not always the level of competition. It's, it doesn't have to be the best players in the world. Otherwise, why would people fill a building to even watch the ECHL? Because it's so far below the NHL. But the point is, if you get a really good atmosphere and you market well, and of course winning helps, but marketing and atmosphere mean a ton because I have no interest lately in going to an ECHL Admirals game because in a stadium that holds about 9,000 people, on a Friday or Saturday night, you might have 2,000. And the feel of it, no matter how good the hockey is, the feel of it is just deflating when you don't have a lot of people in the building. In the 90s, that place was packed every Friday night, and it just adds to the energy of the sport. If you don't market a a woman's sport that hasn't really been big in this country before and you don't build it up the right way, you know, get the right tickets out to people so that they can attend a game for a low price to start out with, get some interest, and then build the sport up from there – then it doesn't really have a chance. And yeah, I mean, not everybody's going to like every woman's sport. I mean, women's basketball is totally different from men's basketball for the reasons that you said. It's like a different sport almost the way that they play. They play a more fundamental like basketball from years and years ago, not not what the one-on-one athletic up-in-the-air dunking the ball. And I'm not saying they're not athletic, just in a different way, you know, not the one-on-one game. And so it's a different sport. That's fine. But there are a lot of other women's sports Um, for the attention, like you're saying, the attention that they get in the media and such. There was a quote also or an example from this uh, professor that I was talking about from Purdue, last name Cookie. And she gave an example where a network had a, you know, like a local sports network like we have here in our area. You know, they have like a three minute sports segment during their their news in the evening. There was a three minute section and they spent 55 seconds on this one news sports section talking about a stray dog that made it into the Brewers stadium, 55 seconds of their three minutes. And they didn't even mention the NCAA women's tournament for March madness. So it's the women's basketball tournament for the whole nation. And they're talking for almost a minute about a dog going into a stadium. And so that's just a great example of the, where, where women's sports fall in where they think that you want to hear about things on the news. And that's just, it's just sad that that's the case. Um, I mean, my take on it would be that, I mean, you have to ask yourself if you're a fan of sports and competition, or if you're a fan just of watching men do things, because I think most of us, like you and I, we're fans of competition. You know, you and I can make a competition out of anything. 
And we can sit there and be fascinated by it as long as the competition is good, whether it's people playing pool up at your mom and dad's house upstairs on the pool table. As long as the level of play is competitive, even if nobody's all that great, and that's a different example from what we're talking about with the women. But I'm just saying all the way down to that level, we're like two people who aren't even good at the game. If they're equally not good and it's competitive, I like competition. That's all I like. So I think that the argument that, you know, people will also they'll bring up things like, well, you know, but the men's team would do this to the women's team. And the men's team is so good that, you know, you could put the U15 boys against it. Yeah, I get that. But why don't you just look at it as a separate sport? I mean, we watch Little League World Series. We watch kids going at it in baseball. And obviously there are better people in the world than those kids playing baseball. Those just happen to be really, really good kids at that age. Well, you look at it the same with women. They are the best women playing their sport. It's, it's just a different thing to watch. You're not trying to mix the two together. And I think that it would be helpful in a few ways. Like when I look at what we could do in the future, like individually, of course, you and I could just try and market it a little bit better ourselves and talk about it more. Um, but even just on a national level, I think there's still some sexism in a lot of different areas. Um, like you look at tennis. I mean, why don't women play five sets? These ladies are hardcore athletes and they play three sets. Right. And guys play five sets in the majors. And then like, if it's a smaller tournament, they'll play three sets, but there's no reason for that. There might've been reasons that they thought of years and years ago. Um, Staying in tennis, look at Wimbledon. I mean, you win the Wimbledon championship as a woman and you're handed a platter and the men are handed this beautiful trophy. And I, I mean, that's just flat out sexist. I mean, it's a friggin' plate. It's a plate. It's something that, you know, you, you think plate, you think kitchen. And that's kind of where those ideas come from, from dozens and dozens and dozens of years ago. And you need to change that. Women should be playing five sets. They should be getting a friggin' trophy. That's what they should right. be getting. Um, I think that with, when, with women's soccer, I think that's a sport you could push in this country. I think the fact that we have the best team and the best players in the world at that sport with women there's no reason we couldn't have a league in this country that that does better. Most people don't know when a women's league is playing, where they play. It's not really on TV much. ESPN shows some games here and there, I guess. But when do you hear about it? And the average fan needs to hear like, oh, wait, oh, this league. Oh, Alex Morgan plays for this team. Or, oh, you know, Megan Rapinoe plays for this team. They need to hear that. But you don't hear about that. You know, you, you have a league with the MLS that that is kind of crapped upon by a lot of fans of soccer. Because they talk about, you know, you got the English Premier League, you got La Liga, you got all these other leagues across the world that have far better quality of soccer. And yes, the MLS is building, but it is not anywhere near the level of some soccer in other parts of the world. Yet people know the MLS a hell of a lot more than they know any women's soccer league in this country. And that I think is sad because I'd rather watch a women's league than watch the MLS because I enjoy watching our women play and then just seeing the best women play soccer. Um, I, I would now you'll think this is crazy, but for me, I would, I think it'd be cool. Um, another sexist thing possibly could be softball. Cause you just wonder why, you know, you got kids in school wanting to go play baseball and they're told like girls play softball, but that's an, that's another issue. A lot of women love softball. Like they love the sport. They go play collegiate level and, it's a great sport to watch. I've watched the you know, college championships of softball, and it's a wonderful sport. So whether it's baseball or softball, I think it'd be awesome if the, if the MLB kind of partnered up with women's sports and tried to have a league. You know, I mean, kind of going back to our favorite movies that we talked about when I talked about a league of their own. But having a women's baseball slash softball league, whatever it ends up being, personally, I think the MLB season is too long anyway. I think you could – do a situation where you shorten the men's league, the men's season by quite a bit, which we might see this year anyway with the COVID and everything, but you shorten their league, their season. You let the women start early when the men would normally be starting. Let them start in the early spring, let their season go on, let their playoffs creep right into the beginning of the men's season. Maybe have some double headers in the cities where the playoff teams make it. Maybe they all make it at first because it's a small league and that way you have some interest there that you try and kind of get the baseball fans interested in the women's sport too. I would be for that. Now, I know some hardcore baseball people aren't going to want to lose some games uh, as far as having not as many games in the season. But I'm just thinking there have to be some ways to get people thinking about women's sports. That's the bottom line for me. Right. 
Yeah, I would have to. I would have to agree with that. Um, again, I completely disagree with cutting baseball games. Um, I think that's absolutely absurd. But you know, I, I do agree with that. And, and I remember actually we had a uh, we had an events class for sports management, which was my degree at ODU, and we had to bring in all the school Norfolk schools, uh, elementary schools. Um, it was called, uh, I believe it was called uh, School Day or something along the lines of that. And it was an 11 o'clock game, ODU women's game. Mm-hmm. And they filled the TED. It was full. It was full. It was, there was no seats. There was no empty seats. And I, I just think if they were to do more things like that, it would help out the, the women, especially women's basketball sport uh, tremendously. And it's crazy to look at this, too, and, you know, especially around here, you have uh, the Princess Anne women's basketball team, who is the best women's basketball team in the state of Virginia of all time. I mean, they're, they're I think they have seven state championships in a row. I think they might have got their eighth this year with a co-championship. But, you know, I, I would love to see, and Paul, again, you went to Princess Anne, but I don't know how you know, how high women's basketball was for Prince Sam back then. I know they started, you know, reaching height in around 2002. But, you know, how, right now, how do students at Princess Sam in high school look at each, you know, sport? Do they say, oh, well, yeah, I'm going to go to the uh, men's basketball or the boys' basketball game. Okay, are you going to go to the women's basketball game, even though you guys are the – you know, defending state champs. Like, what, what, what is their outlook on that? I would love to hear that. That would be fantastic to hear. We'd have to ask some people. I still know some teachers over there, but yeah, I graduated back in '93, so I don't, I don't remember anybody saying they were ever going to go to a girls' basketball game. But for that matter, I didn't really hear them talking about going to a boys' basketball game. I just don't think basketball was really that big of a sport. It's just most people just, you know went to a football game, you know, the typical thing, even though the football team wasn't that good either. That's just still the sport that most people go to as like a hangout type situation. You know, you go on a Friday night to a game, but you're exactly right. I think more events like that to, to garner interest in the sport would be wonderful. And part of what led me to say the thing about the softball slash baseball shortening the MLB season was just, you think about the market and you think about, choosing to watch things and having to squeeze all the different sports into the market. Granted, a lot of sports are on at the same time. I mean, in the fall, you've got college basketball starts up, football starting up, baseball's finishing, NBA starting up, um, college football. You have so many things competing for your time as a viewer. And granted, it's hard to get a sport off the ground like women's baseball or women's, you know, just a softball league when you're competing against all those. Granted, it's, you know, cap- capitalism. It's, you know, the market decides what's going to get watched. But it is nice to have a fair chance as a new new sport, kind of, but not really. I mean, a sport that's been around forever and just hasn't been given much of a chance to try and get in there and carve, own it, carve out its own little place in viewership. And so I was thinking killing two birds with one stone in my mind baseball season is too long shorten it pair the two have the leagues run by the same kind of entity so that you 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 have some legitimacy right away with it um i think that would be good otherwise it's almost like you'd have to have their softball league competing with baseball or going into the fall when the fall is like probably ridiculously busy but we'll see where this goes i mean i think this is just close to home for me and you like you said you have you, you coach girls and have been doing so for a long time. And then I have my two girls who have both played soccer along the way. One still does. And also I coached a little bit when they were a little bit younger. So, and I go to all of your games with high school. So girls, girls sports have been a big part of my life ever since, uh, ever since I first had daughters. So it's just, I think it's kind of sad that with boys, you know, you think of boys growing up and having these dreams when they're a kid and they're like, man, I'm, you know, I'm playing in the World Series or I'm just I'm, I'm going to play in the major in the major leagues, whether it's baseball or football or NBA. And you have these dreams. And with girls, I feel like the dream really is limited to either you're a friggin national star going to play for the national team like Alex Morgan or you just play throughout high school and maybe play at a college and nobody watches for the most part. Of course they have some fans, but I'm just saying comparing to men's it's just, it's your dreams are totally different. And 
if we love sports as as sports fans like you and I and all of our friends and all the people who would listen to a sports cast, then I think we owe it to ourselves to give things a chance and just say, do you love sports or don't you? Or do you just love watching men play sports? And, uh, you know, I, I, I think you and I are more just loving the competition, like I said. So so let's wrap that up. I'm sure we'll come back to issues like that in the future. But and because I, I think it's kind of important to here and there. But um, but I think we can kind of close up shop here towards the end with with AJ's advice. Yeah. So <clears throat> my advice for this week, again, it's it's very tough to shout out advice when there's no sports. Yeah. But so I'm going to give a generalized uh, hot take, if you will, um, for down the road, especially. And my hot take, my advice for this week is that Ja Morant is going to be a better basketball player overall than Zion Wil- Wil- uh, Williamson. Okay. By the end of their career. I like that. I do. John Morant. John Morant is unreal. That man is, he reminds me a little bit of a Russell Westbrook, um, how explosive he is, how, how hard he attacks the basket. And again, nothing against Zion because, you know, Zion's fantastic. He's amazing um, when healthy, but I guess that's my biggest thing is when healthy. I mean, that's a lot of weight put down on your knees and your knees are already sore. And even if, you know, he was healthy, you know, my hot, this is my hot take. John Moran is going to be better than Zion. And that's exactly what I was going to say before you said that last bit. I don't even care if, if Zion's healthy in my mind, I would go with exactly what you're saying. I agree. And it makes it sound like it's such a well-held opinion, but I mean, a lot of people out there are big time Zion people and, I'm just, I'm just not. I mean, he he's good and everything, but when he, you're comparing him to Morant, I I've watched that dude play and I've watched him play against my team, and man, he can take over a game, I, and and when he does, he is a fun dude to watch. Yeah, I fun. love. Him. I mean, yeah, his, yeah, he's, he's his awesome. game is so electric. He, he plays above the rim. Oh man. Yeah, I agree. I mean, he he's a blast. So I hope you're right with that one, and I think I think you will be right with that one. So nice call on that. Yeah. So, um, well, this was a good one. I think it was fun having Lou on, like we said. We'll have to look into getting some other, some other people on in the upcoming weeks and just keep bringing that sports conversation to everybody. And, uh, and we'll look forward to it next week. All right, guys. Thanks.